Hi, I'm Alan. It's my brother, Fred. We work in a large supermarket in central New Jersey, and we want to take you behind the scenes of how the customers act and how they treat the workers when we do everything we could to make their shopping experience very enjoyable. And WFMU Radio wrote about us that brothers Fred and Alan came from Brooklyn, New York 16 years ago to central New Jersey, becoming instant legends among the locals while working behind the deli counter at a grocery store. Their unique storytelling style, opinions, and outlook are enthralling and hilarious. All the people are from Brooklyn and Staten Island, and when they move to New Jersey, they think they're in Beverly Hills. A lot of them are rotten and mean, and they're rotten to the core. They were never taught the meaning of caring about anybody else. They're mean, rotten, and they're show-offs. When they come to the deli counter and they give their order and you start putting the, the product on the scale and you keep slicing to, to make their weight, they, they take their filthy hands and take, take the meat off the scale and eat it. I try to do every package perfect when the customer goes home and not all of them are very satisfied. Some of them are troublemakers. One day... I cut a pound of yellow American for a customer, and he wanted it super, super thin. I put a lot of paper in, and I made the package beautiful. When he went home, about two hours later, he called the night manager, complaining that he had too much papers between the slices of cheese. The customers take a number and wait online to be called for the deli. And they're on the cell phone at the same time, and when they miss their number, they give the worker an argument. And we try to do our best, but sometimes it's not enough with them. Uh, they're only there uh, for a few minutes and uh, they want to take the blood out of you. All the workers have to wear name tags so that the customers can report them. And uh, we also did the cash register and it was no party either. And we also had a lot of strange characters, like my brother had one day, this big guy at night. This big blonde guy would, would come in at night with a beautiful woman on his arm. And the last item that he would buy every week was a big box of condoms. And after he paid me, he'd, he'd tell me that I should have a great night. And all the women cashiers would look at my brother and make eyes about him that he was standing there till 12, 1 at night, and he should have a good night. And what would you like to add, Andrew, about working there also? <laughs> I would like to add, I don't miss working there. After hearing I all don't those blame stories, you. I'm glad I quit, but... No, you were a very hard worker, but it didn't matter. Uh, a lot of the managers would, didn't treat the workers right either. You experienced I, it. I have very rarely seen management or of most people even working with treat other people decently. It's like more often I always saw people just either just talk behind other people's back or something like that. And it drove me crazy because uh just from you're like how your, I was yeah. 
you know, you're doing your best, you're working hard, and everybody is a backstabber. Yeah. And, and we had this older guy, besides, it's hard enough working there. We had one worker, he was a racist and a bigot. He lived in Lakewood, and one day he was driving home on Route 9, and a Hasidic Jew's hat fell onto the roadway in front of his car. And instead of avoiding it, he ran over it to, to kill the hat. And then he told us another story. He was in Costco in Tom's River, and a Hasidic couple were online with their family on a Friday, and it was late in the afternoon, and they asked him if they can go ahead of him before sundown. He said to them, I'm Roman Catholic, and if you have to be home before dark, you should have shopped earlier. And I'm not letting you go before me. And he was very happy to tell everyone that. He was a miserable old bum. And he used to look for trouble with me and my brother and uh, everyone else there. Besides being a racist and a bigot. Uh, for us, he wanted to lock us in a freezer and park a tractor trailer in front of the door. And tell him now about when the worker went for full time. Him and another worker went for full time and... The other worker one day was crossing Route 9 in the morning and he got hit by a car and he passed away. When the older man heard that, he said, there's no competition, I got this job in the bag. That's how vicious people are today. And it's he didn't it's very ruthless. Sorry. What? It's very ruthless. The, the right. people. Was... Right. That we came into work that day, we found out the other worker died. He said... I got the job in the bag. There's no competition. He was an awful human being. Yeah, I don't miss him at all. It was a, and it was miserable. Miserable to everyone. And you know, besides being miserable, he was a racist and a bigot. Talked about everybody's religion. And then there was another worker there. He didn't do much work. All day, he played Italian songs. He loved Frankie Valli. And the Four Seasons. And if you played anything else, he ripped the wire out of the radio. He only wanted to hear uh, his own music. And he didn't do no work. He sang along with it. Then one, one evening, one evening when he was leaving at night, he said, good night, Freddie. And in five years that when we worked with him, he never said good night to me. We never knew when he, was, when he left or if he went to the bathroom or if he went for, to lunch. And then the night that he said goodbye to me, the next day we found out he, he died. Then uh, I, everybody told me that if he didn't give you respect, you don't have to pay respects for him at his funeral. And it was mixed reviews. Other people said, don't go. And other ones said, you gotta go. Everybody will be looking for you. And the last minute we decided to go. And I only went for one reason, to make sure he was really dead. And from your experience, you know how he treated you too, Andrew. He was complicated with me. Because he didn't... He didn't outright say anything to me. He definitely talked behind my back. As I've learned through uh, another friend. And she told me. And she used to say, it's like, oh, he used, to, he's like, he used to complain like every time he used to work with me and everything. At the beginning. Until, uh... Yeah. Until she pointed out, like, she kept saying, like, or he kept saying, 
that I don't do any work and everything like that. And then it's like, the reason why he didn't notice is because I don't say anything when I do it. I just work, do it and then I just get it done. That's it. Yeah, but he didn't do any work. No, he, he sat... just stood around and complained right. about people. So, right. it was an awful human being. And they, these are the ones they talk about everyone else and they don't do any work. And it's no picnic wherever you got to work, if you have a boss or anything. But these people made work extra hard for everyone. Yeah, I remember the first day I worked in, uh, in Delhi, and one of the managers, the team leads, uh, she, she told another person from another department to go teach me and like show me a video to watch on my first day, and then she went to do other things. And I was just like. That was such a weird experience for the first day because I was I was expecting like someone from the department I was going to be in to actually teach me something, but they just kind of just buggered off and just went did something else. And we had two different first days. Our first days we started out as cashiers, and my brother said to me, "Don't be mad if this is our first and last day," as he had an old couple online. I had a very old couple as my first customer. And there were no bags on the hooks by the cash register. And there was no cash drawer in the cash register. So when, when the couple saw me asking for, for a cash drawer and they saw me putting bags on the hooks, they said to me, we're not going to stand for this crap. <laughs> and j just, just awful. Then our first day in the deli, we were making sky and cream cheese. They locked us in the back room with a food processor with scallions and cream cheese. And as we processed the scallions in the food processor, we couldn't see and we couldn't breathe. And we, we, we had tears in our eyes. So I said to the team leader, is this a foreshadowing of what it's going to be like working for you? And all she did was giggle. Uh, the customers are nonstop and they're all so nasty. Uh, my brother came in one time with a knee injury, and I was walking around the store to go to go up to punch in, and they hit me in the in the wig. They hit me with a wig and in my bad knee, and they and they wanted me to apologize to them. Just awful people. Very few are nice and caring. It's few and, and far between when you find those people. Yeah, I would agree. And those are the people that even after all the years, they're still nice today. That there's no ears about them. They're, they're good people. And well, one time my brother got hurt and he was in the hospital. And one couple, the wife, stayed on the phone with me to host surgery. And then when my brother returned to work, I said to them, our friendship began over a quarter pound of bologna. And... <laughs> They, they were good people, very few, caring. And yeah. uh, growing up in Brooklyn, was a, a, we, a, we lived in a very bad neighborhood, and you had to use your wits and whatever you could to survive. Like when we were growing up, we lived in these large buildings, and in the center of the buildings was a basketball court, and the, the it was a public throughway for brothers coming from the outside world. Not these two brothers, but the other brothers. 
So they used to come to, into our basketball court and ask us if they could borrow my basketball, which I friendly, I always gave it to them. And, and then they, we would sit on the bench and watch them play, and they played like the Harlem Globetrotters. Then years later, when I was in junior high school, I was leaving the school on a Friday with a trumpet and a briefcase, and the door to the school locked behind me. And then a gang wanted to get locked into the school so they could rob the school over the weekend. And they grabbed me, they threw my trumpet and briefcase into the roadway, and they wanted to, they wanted to kill me because they thought I locked them out. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, a guy comes around the building who looked like Wesley Snipes, and he, he, he dusted off my coat, he picked up my briefcase and my trumpet, and he said to me, you didn't purposely lock these guys out, did you tell them that? And then he said, go on your way. Now, this fella that saved my life that day was the guy that I used to give my basketball to years earlier. It was like Andrococles and the Lion. A mythical story that saved my brother's life. And other times, growing up, it was a terrible neighborhood. There was marches. And when I was going to high school, there was a march on Snyder Avenue, a couple of blocks on the bus. And I was all alone in the winter, and I had a trumpet and a briefcase. I had a, I had a stand behind a, a telephone pole while Al Sharpton and his followers went by me without seeing me. I dread what would have happened if they saw me. You probably wouldn't be always, here today. That's true. And we always had it very tough growing up. We grew up in a time, a very bad neighborhood. And today, with all that, this, and we didn't care about anybody, race, color, religion. Uh, that's how not us, but everybody still today judges you by your race, color, and religion. That's all. That's the only thing that's on their mind, and it never goes away. Okay, so talking about that, uh, I wanted to bring up, so why would you, what made you want to start a podcast? Like I wanted to, uh, the world and the public is thirsty, hungry, and deserving for this type of entertainment that's missing from their daily lives. When we were on WFMU radio for a short Quick interview, it lasted for three hours. Uh, uh, listeners emailed in immediately and they loved our stories and us. And we thought it was going to be only for 10 minutes. It said it lasted for three hours. And uh, they, they, they loved everything about it. And this is what they're missing from their daily life. People from all over the world, even from Athens, Greece, they emailed in all positive comments. That's why we wanted to go further with it. You decided to drag me along. Well, you were a good friend. And <laughs> we wouldn't go anywhere without you. <laughs> and you know all the stories anyway. And uh, honest, true, good friends. And I always told you, if something great ever happens, we want you with us. This is one of the few good things that come out of working there. Oh. I could right, count less through, than five right. things I could that was actually okay. Right, through thick and thin, you can be right with us. Yeah. That we always shared our life experiences with you. Uh, and we try to make it funny, even if we were crying inside. Mm. A lot and of people also, do that. Right. And also everybody that we know, 
or we do meet, they tell us, you got to get your stories out there so the world can laugh from you. So we're trying to do that. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy the stories. Because we got a lot. So I got pl- We got plenty. We got plenty. <laughs> if you ever are wondering how long can we go, it's like we have it's like every day, every customer is like its own story. It's like right. it's something. It's... And not only that, with other with other things also in, in different parts of life. Like years ago when we were growing up, there was a barber shop on our block. It was owned by a father and a son, and they were unprofessional barbers. They stunk. You, you'd only go into them in an emergency. It was like when, they, when you took a haircut by them, it was like they put a bowl on your head and just cut, cut a circle around your head. And when they, you, you had to pass their store to go home, and you dreaded it if you took a haircut somewhere else. My grandfather... Uh, if he took a haircut in Manhattan, he couldn't pass the store for over a month. He would walk around the block so he didn't have to pass them. Because when they said hello to you, the father and son barbers, they didn't look in your face. All they do is look at your head like they're brain surgeons. <laughs> they looked at the back of your head. They looked by your ears to make sure you didn't take a haircut somewhere else. That is crazy. <laughs> this is right. They want all your all the business around, right? And they were terrible barbers. Like, okay, what would they do if you actually did get a haircut from someone else? Well, if we did, we wouldn't pass there for a, for a two to four weeks. <laughs> That's we it. We go probably we go across the street or around the corner to go home and extra distance not to pass them. Oh, I would have just passed them. Well, then it would be hard for you to go in if you needed them in an emergency. I guess I would just go to another barber. (laughs) Well, uh, that's how it was. Like when they made it like a small town, everybody knew everybody, and Mm. they sat out watching you when they weren't working. It's just awful. (sighs) And I have another funny story, and happened in New Jersey. Quite recently, uh, I would always go in the barber chair first and I'd get a double zero, like a Mr. Clean haircut. And one day when I went into the barber shop, I sat on the chair by the woman that I got. And uh, the manager of the store came over to me and said, you're not next. The man on the cell phone in the street, he's before you. So I got embarrassed because the barbershop was pretty, pretty full. And I sat down and my face was all red. I was embarrassed. And I told Alan, next time you jump on the chair first, I'm not going next time to be embarrassed. So the next time when we went for a haircut, my brother jumped on the chair first. And the barber didn't look at him. And she gave him, she put a double zero clip on the blade and she gave him my haircut. When he looked in the mirror, he had a mohawk like Mr. T, and then she took it all off, and he told her, <laughs> look at me, I'm the other guy. <laughs> so I said to him, good for you. Next time you won't jump on the chair first. So then every time we went to take a haircut, I had to tell her, I'm the other guy. So she'll give me a regular haircut. She got, she got very embarrassed, and she, got, she was afraid, because she told us earlier in the day, our, our father came in with two sons, and she t- touched the sideburn on the sun a little wrong. He wanted to get her fired. 
me, she ruined my hair and I didn't say one word and I wouldn't get her fired. We laughed about it and we have a story to tell. That kid, wait, that, they want to get her fired over messing right, up a sideburn? Right. She took the wrong sideburn on this one, one of the sons and the father wanted to get her thrown out. One was lower than the other one. Like what, like one centimeter? Right, <laughs> right. And these are the kind of people that are in the area. That's too much. That's... Me, me, she gave a bald haircut, and I didn't say one word, and I wouldn't... We laugh at it now, but I wouldn't get her fired for that. You could have shaved your eyebrows off, and you'd still be okay, probably. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make no trouble for nobody. Well... But everybody else does. I, I always hated that about, like, people that just... I don't know, just overreact like that. I think it's just yeah, rude, it's... and just... It's very uncaring, too. Yeah, well, uh, and you wear a name tag in the store. It's not to be your friend, it's to report you. It's to you. report you, yeah, so they know your name. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's it. That's all they do. And the terrible thing, work, working for anybody is terrible, and especially dealing with the public. The public, 99% of them are, are rotten to the core, and my brother explains how he describes them. Uh... What I want to say about the name tags is that they get, the customers get a kick out of it. And because this is where they have your name and they want to report you so they can get the order for nothing. Mm -hmm. And I compare them to Ivory Soap in 99 and 99, nine, nine, what is it? 99 and 44, 100. Rotten to the core. They're awful people. Hmm. And on our days off, we see a lot of the customers in different places. And when they get to you, they're staring and staring. When they get to you, they turn their head. Uh, I'm not good enough to say hello, but I'm good enough to cut their baloney for them. Yeah. I don't need. I don't need them. They're horrible people. Uh, I don't need them at all. But they show you you're below them. You're you're a server, and that's all you are. You're nothing more. <laughs> I remember a neighbor I saw. It was like my next door neighbor. And then, like, we got along pretty well. And then, like, all of a sudden, once I started working there, then they just treated me differently. Like, treated me like dirt, kind of. It's, it just didn't treat me the same, which was crazy. Just because I worked at, you know, at a deli. Yeah, so it's their business. Yeah, it's just crazy how people just changes, just flips, and just. I don't know, they just treats you lesser. Yeah, that's the same way. They judge you what you eat. They stereotype you. Like, growing up in Jewish, and that, that's all they judge you by. When I grew up on Boar's Head Ham and Chinese food, and that's all they judge you by, by being a Jew or something. Mm. And also, in the store, if you have a hundred compliments from customers on your name, and they know you always do good work, and then one customer gives you a complaint, they take away your raise, and you're, like, blacklisted. It's yeah. an uneven scale. It's an uneven scale. It just takes one time, and then you're screwed. Right. One time, one bad thing, and the hundred good things are, are, are marked off your record. Right. I never saw nothing like that. And the people are so nasty. Well, one busy Sunday, we didn't have a certain item, and a husband and wife, 
my brother was serving them and he told them this kind of turkey will be in on Thursday. They called him every name out. Every filthy name in the book that you could mention. And he wanted to impress his wife and the, and the big customer crowd. And he, he stood there and nothing. We, I took it like a man. Better than he would probably, or they would. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not allowed to answer back. You have to stand there at attention and take it, whatever they say to you. I remember one customer was testing me. They purposely were was just trying to get on my nerves. And I ended up snapping at them a little bit. Because they're just like trying to get under my skin. They're insulting me and everything like that. And then I just snapped a little. And then it's like... Like at the dime of a hat, they just immediately was like asking for my name and it's like I'm going to your manager. It's like it's it's sick. It's sick what people are just waiting for, like that kind of stuff. Like waiting to like just just get someone else in trouble. Just... Yeah, yeah. That's it. I go shopping with my brother also all over. I don't make trouble for nobody. And uh, some of the workers where we go, they open up filthy mouths also to back us. And we still don't make them nothing. Horrible people. Yeah. And that's how, it, that's how it is with them. That's all they live for. To make trouble for others. And one thing we learn, that there is no karma. Whoever's rotten and mean and no good, everything goes good for them. And the hardworking, honest people, they suffer the most. Yeah, you always hear that, don't you? Just, they'll get well, what's coming true. to them. They'll get what's coming true. to them. I, I don't see that happening. I never right. really do. Neither do I. They don't, nothing happens to them at all. No bad luck, nothing. Everything goes good for them. The more rotten you are, everything is great for them. Yeah, look at that. Like, uh, those two guys you were talking about earlier. It's like, they were stockbrokers and everything. They were rich. They had houses right. and everywhere. And right. Right. they're just doing so well. Right. Right. And, and they're rotten and mean and everything goes good for them. Yeah. And it always, it always did. That they, everyone else was beneath them. And especially they put in race and religion into it. They're awful. Yeah. And you're working with someone. Everyone's there the same. And that's it. And who cares about what anyone is? That's all you hear on the news today. It's still going on. Race and religion. Who cares about what someone is? Yeah. Uh, you only look at the size of someone's heart. They're no good. They're no good no matter who they are. Yeah, it's not going to matter like where you come from, like your background or anything. Because like, if you're just a rotten bum, you're a rotten bum. Well, that's how they still judge everybody. They stereotype you and they go with it. And children learn from their parents. And that's how it continues. For the next generation. Yeah. Which is the sad part. Right. That if a, if a father had a certain thing with a certain religion or whatever, he, their children hear it and it's they're brainwashed. Now they hate that religion. Yeah. And it's still going on very strong today. Like one day at the deli counter, it was a busy Saturday. So I came back with Alan from our break and I get a customer. I go next, I get this old black woman who looked like she worked for the federal government for 60 years. 
thick glasses. She sees a sign on the wall that says Bavarian or honey ham. So she says to me, uh, let me have some of that Bavarian honey ham. So I said to her, it's Bavarian ham or honey ham. It's two different hams. She says to me, I sense a racial problem with you. So I told what? her, hold on a minute. I went to tell the manager. So I told him, you want to take her? He said to me, no, go slice one piece of Bavarian ham and slice a, a piece of honey ham, twist it together and let her eat it. God. Now, a couple of weeks go by, same, uh, another Saturday, I come back from a break with Alan again. I see her online again, this time with her daughter. So I hide in the back room till she's taken. These workers are so unprofessional and slow that they never get to her. I come out, I go next, I get her again, and she did the same crap oh to me again. God. That's right. happened to me before. I tried to wait out certain right. customers, and then I still get right. them because everyone else it's is like taking a, so long. Like a loaded gun. It's like Russian roulette. Yeah. You don't know. You're waiting and waiting, and then you call next. You get the one you don't want to get. I get her again. Then the bullet is the customer. Right, this SOB. Right. She got the racial problem, not me. I can't believe that happens. That happens so often. Like, yeah. I remember. I, I would try to hide in the back or just try to pile things up. Like, why are you going Right. Yeah. And I don't know why they have to put racial into anything. One day, I call number 11, 11, 11. Number 11 don't come. So I called 12. It was a black woman with two young kids. So then I'm taking her. Number 11 comes, a little schmucky guy comes running, he goes, I'm 11. So I walk back to her and I said, I got to take number 11. So I get done with him. And now I walk over to take number 12, which was her. So the first thing she says to me was, uh, uh, it, it, was there a racial problem here? Well, what's the matter? You don't want to take me because I'm black? And that's far from the truth. And she don't understand I hate 11, I hate 12, I hate 13, I hate 14. It has nothing to do with her. Yeah, and it's all equal hate. It's like, it's not like personal. Right, right. Because number 11 ruined it for me. So that's what she said to me. What's the matter? You want to take me because I'm black? And now I had to wait on her. And that's how she started off the conversation, which it didn't, didn't matter to me at all who I'm taking. I would have just said, "Is like, no, that wasn't it at all. It's just that that guy had a number before you. That's it. She didn't want to understand that. She gave me attitude right away and put that in when he threw the race card in when it had nothing to do with that. It never it does because, most of the time. It was because this little ugly guy missed his number and he comes running. And I called it so many times before I took her, and he wasn't there, and he came when I was about to take her. I mean, you could have also just made him take another number. Well, I didn't start her yet, that's why. Okay. That's why it worked that way. And people have been rotten all the years, and we lived in these big buildings in Brooklyn, and... The pit, there was a lot of older people that lived in the building. And my brother has one story about ice cream. I was working in a supermarket across the street from where I lived. And uh, 
this woman on my floor came in and she bought an order from me with her daughter and her fat little granddaughter. And it was a hot summer day and she bought a ice cream and other things. And then they went upstairs, they ate all the ice cream and they come down about 10 minutes later with the, with the same order with the bag. And she says to me, you didn't put my ice cream in my bag before when I went up. So then I went over to the manager and he touched all the items in the bag. And he said, it feels very cold. It feels frozen, the stuff in the bag. What do you think, Freddie? I said to him, they went up, the three of them, they ate up all the ice cream. And they said, let me go down to this fool who will replace it for me. So I told the manager, don't give her nothing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's how rotten. She wanted to make Freddie. And when Freddie saw her come to him from the register, he didn't even warn her because he knew she's trouble. I sensed it already that when she comes to me as a customer, I'm going to have trouble from her down the road. And I did. She lived on our floor in a building. Her husband recently died. And she gave my parents her backup key to her apartment. When Freddie didn't give her the ice cream, she knocked on the door later that night and demanded her key back, and she never looked at us again. Over ice cream? Yes. Right. From being a sweet old lady, she became a miserable, rotten, bitter thing. Here's the thing. It's like, it's not a sudden change. She was always like that then. If it just, it just takes oh, not giving ice cream for her to flip, it's like, she was always that rotten. Well, she ate it up, and now she wanted it replaced. She maybe unexpectedly, she didn't know her daughter and granddaughter are coming over that day, and they ate up her stuff, and she wanted it, uh, her, her ice cream back. Mm. That's what it seems like. Yeah. And after that day, never looked at my family ever again. Oh, you're better off. Right. Uh, uh, dealing with bitter people all the years. Terrible. And that hasn't changed. No. People can't, people can't be nice. Very few are. Like, genuinely. Like, there are some nice people, but there's, like, on the flip side, they're kind of vindictive, too. Or they always are, see like, they always want you to return the favor or something. Like, it's never just, like, out of the goodness of their own hearts, you know? Right, they're only out for themselves. It, it, that's how it is. Yeah, it's just like they're always kind of looking for something else. And they're looking, but it ain't there for them. <laughs> well, me and, me and Freddie always put everyone ahead of us, and it never works out anyway, because the, we're the first ones that the people come after that we help. Well, they have no use for us. And they come after us. Like Freddie was telling a story about why customers come over to the counters to me and him when other workers are working there. They won't even come up to them. Yeah, I remember there's some customers I remember when I used to work with you guys. It was like, no, I want Alan or I want Fred. And it was like, to help me. I was like, okay. That's yeah, because like, we, it's not a problem for right. me. It's like, whatever. I know because we bend over backwards to help them and. They can get away with, with whatever they have in their mind with us. Yeah, they've seen your with rear people, so much. With other people, they can't do with. No. They wouldn't do it with me. I would be like, no. Right. R right. You're more stricter 
and me and him were well it's you say no the answer with us if we want to say no it's yes yeah we can't say no to nobody yeah you bend over a lot you have you're good with that yeah. we try but it, it doesn't get us anyways not that i'm looking for anything I I do remember like some of those customers that you do bend over backwards for are kind of pretty nasty. Like they're just I don't know how you yeah, guys yeah, do boy. it. I don't know right. how you guys do it. I know it's terrible, and um, it really is. They're terrible people. Well, they make you sick anyway. That's why you got to take Pepto Bismol and Alka Seltzer from them. And anybody who was friendly as a young kid. And he started working with the public. Uh, once he learns who they really are, he's not the friendly, nice kid anymore. No. Change not not of his undo. Not of his do. He learns how they treated him. And he was he was from being naive. Now he's changed and he sees what the world is. Yeah, you just become, unfortunately, more cynical. Well, you learn who they are. They're horrible people. Yeah. I'm not saying, like... It's fine to be wary of them, but also don't be like completely cynical and be like them after, you know, like don't change into them. Like after he's like, oh, I don't like those people. Like now I'm going to end up being like them. I don't think we could ever be like them. No, I don't think that's possible. And you should see how they even drive. They, they pull out of a driveway in front of you. On a cell phone, they don't even turn their head around while they pull out of a parking lot. They're horrible. They just They're have just no awareness or they just don't care. They're just like, I gotta go to wherever I gotta go. I don't care about anyone else. I'm going. Just I remember somebody ran into you and they spin you around and they didn't even stay for it. They got they hit and run. Oh, you're talking about my car. Right. Yeah. They hit they hit you and they drove away. Yeah, that was awful. Right, you spinned around. You didn't know where you were from them. And they ran. Yeah, this was like at 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, so it was before 8. They're awful. And wherever you are, they come, they come on top of you. Like I went with Freddy to an empty movie theater before the pictures started. And the whole place is empty. So some schmucky little guy is either squeezing down the aisle that you're sitting, or he sits down next to you. Yeah, I was that and, drove me crazy every time. Right, you want to be left alone, and they're here. Or if you park your car in an empty parking lot the size of a football field, you'll come out. Somebody parked next to you. Or if you're in the bathroom, and then you you just sit in a stall, and then there's like four other stalls and they sit right next to you right they come on top of you yeah uh, you can't get away from them no wherever you want it they come on top of you always uh, on top right and you don't want to be that you don't even be with them at all and you know they'll still come in and come on top of you even when we're talking to someone in the store the customers will come over, they'll take a can over my head, under my foot, and they, they want the item wherever I'm standing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But they do that. Wherever you're standing, if you're 
looking for a credit card or you're just standing a minute, they come on top of you. They don't let you breathe. They don't let you live. No, they don't. You happen to be in front of wherever the wherever item is. That's what they want now. Even if they don't want it, they'll look and touch it because you're standing there. It's funny how that works. Yeah, you horrible people. Yeah. Well, I think right. we could close it off. We don't want to say every story for today. Right. right, we covered a lot. We covered a lot, you know. You know, and, yeah. Right. And I want to thank all the listeners. And we, we try to give you what you're missing from your lives. This is the stuff you want to hear. And yeah, our suffering. Right. right. Um, and our, our miserable lives from these animals. And um, we'll say the things that you know and are afraid to say. Yeah. That's, a, that's one way to say it. Right. And we tell you the truth. That's all we can ask for. But until next time. <laughs>